Welcome to the Doggy Dojo. I'm your host, Susan Light. I'm a Los Angeles-based dog trainer on a quest to become worthy of the title Sensei of the Doggy Dojo. This week, I'm learning how to train your dog to love grooming. Every pet parent has to deal with grooming their dog. Most pet parents don't think about grooming until they have a bad experience, but since it's something that will be a constant in you and your dog's life, it's worth investing time and energy into training your dog to love grooming. To help me tackle this topic, I'm joined today by a woman who's made this her mission and her career. The Scottish Pet Industry Awards named her Scotland's Best Pet Influencer for 2020. On her website, linked in the show notes, she offers all kinds of support to people who want to change the way they approach grooming, including digital courses, Facebook groups, and a free ebook download, a little appetizer of her full-length book due out later this year. She walks me through everything we all need to know about how to approach grooming from the dog's perspective, what they find the most stressful, why she doesn't recommend fragrances, how to trim your dog's nails, and more. Please welcome the holistic groomer, Stephanie Zickman. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me all the way from Scotland. Where in Scotland are you? So I'm 20 minutes from Glasgow, a town called Kilmarnock. I love that about the internet and about podcasts is you can be anywhere and give us your awesome information. Um, And before we go into more about what you do and how you do it, let's talk a little bit about why you're so unusual in the grooming industry. Let's talk about what the normal grooming situation looks like for dogs. From their perspective, I think a lot of owners or guardians, as you call them, they drop their dogs. They're like, there you go. And then they pick up a lovely, fluffy, great smelling dog. And they don't really understand what happens in that hour or two hours in between. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think in in general context, um, grooming is kind of seen predominantly as styling. Um, so I, I tend to try and differentiate between the two. So grooming, as far as I'm concerned, is the health preservation and well-being preservation as opposed to the styling process. Um, but I think generally speaking, when we talk about dog grooming in the mainstream industry, um, it certainly means how to style a dog. So um, we're talking about breed standard trims predominantly. There's there's not so much emphasis on how to safely handle dogs or how to mm-hmm. um, also how to recognize um, behaviors and what, what behaviors actually are as well and how it's relevant within the grooming environment. It's so interesting. I've actually never heard this, the differentiation between the two, between styling as well. And for some people may be thinking, oh, I don't have a dog that needs to be styled. I don't have a purebred poodle. I don't have a dog that even needs a haircut. They really just need baths. But even like The dog, just the washing and the nail cutting, and I don't know if this is something you do, but I know some groomers will even express the anal glands. I mean, these are, imagine going through this yourself. That's traumatic enough sometimes. Yeah, I know. Do you know, honestly, well, in Scotland or in the UK, certainly, anal glands expression is now a veterinary procedure. So we can't actually do that now, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> and people should not attempt to do it themselves. Okay? Oh no, 
no, take it, take not. your dog to the vet. Yeah. You, you wouldn't want to anyway, gosh, it's smelly. Um, I, I don't know anyone who would. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, you know something, you have to give it credit where credit's, credit's due. At the end of the day, groomers have been doing things for many, many years and, and not many people know exactly how, how, how traumatic it is for both dog and groomer sometimes. Commercial grooming is kind of focused on your breed standard trim. So even when you don't have your kind of typical poodles, um, who, who are obviously requiring a more aesthetically pleasing cut, you're still kind of expected to perform a, a kind of commercial standard, so to speak. So it is still emphasizing on the style as opposed to the actual handling and, um, and preservation of health and well-being. Um, that being said, there's many groomers out there who, who genuinely are interested in the, the whole concept of grooming, so the holistic concept. So it is definitely something that's on the rise um, more and more these days. I agree. And what holds most groomers back from adapting to a holistic approach? Is it just time? It, because I feel like the investment of time, that's what I would like people to come away from this episode, understanding the investment of time in your dog, training them to love grooming and approaching grooming in a better way is so beneficial for the entire life of the dog. And like you said, for the groomer themselves, no groomer wants oh, yeah. to get bit. Yeah, I know. And I think it's the, there's a difference between handling and control as well. So I think when we're, we're when we're trained in, in kind of college wherever it is we, we do our training a lot of training centers train as well um when we're trained um where the kind of emphasis is on how to control rather than how to handle so it's um there's things called handling restraints or handling aids as some people like to call them uh, which are designed to, to kind of manipulate a dog into standing a certain way and often against the dog's will um, and that's where the difference between holistic approach and kind of commercial grooming as it is mainstream as you know that's where the difference is so knowing the difference between um how to safely handle a dog and teach a dog how to stand rather than just put them into the position that you require them to stand for for two hours or whatever it is using handling restraints yeah and I, i'm really excited to get into the nitty-gritty of of how you do that um but I just wanted to ask before we do that, do you have any horror stories that have really stuck with you uh, that made you want to change the way? Because I think you, from your website, you'd said that you started grooming and then you just saw so many dogs traumatized and you wanted to change it. Is there something yeah. that sticks with you from that yeah. time? Um, it's difficult because I try not to dwell on the negatives and I don't want to be seen as, as being too hard on people as well. But really, it came down to my training. Um, I, I went into training already as a dog guardian, so I had an element of expectation as to what would be covered. Um, so behaviour and handling, again, was something that I assumed would be covered probably initially at the very beginning so that I could obviously perform grooming safely. But um during my time at training, it, it just became clear that the emphasis was on, again, styling a dog. There was not much communication flowing between the, the animal and the handler. Mm. Um, there, was one, there was one incident, which I've, I think I've told one person, um, and it was day 27 of my course and actually resulted in me walking out. Um, and it was with a Newfoundland. Um, so it was a geriatric Newfoundland dog. 
um, who was struggling to get on the grooming table. Mm. Um, so myself and another trainee were trying to get this dog onto the grooming table. Obviously, we were, were newbies, so we didn't really know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we asked the, the tutor for help. So naturally, we were expecting to obviously be taught the right way of handling um, but the, the tutor proceeded to come over and used a noose around the dog's neck to try and yank the dog up on the table. Mm. Um, by which point the dog got a wee bit stressed, mm-hmm. urinated everywhere. Um, and we were told basically just dry it in um, and spray fragrance over it, you'll be fine. Um, and that to me, that was just as a dog guardian myself, I was like, no, I, I just I'm not OK with that. Um, that's not good handling at all you don't yank a dog up by the noose of the neck god like that's just horrendous um and see to be honest the holistic approach would have been have the dog on the floor let him be where he's most comfortable and and groom the dog from that position it's as simple as that um so that was the that was my kind of the breaking point for me and my training and I walked out and I never returned so I didn't get my qualification (laughs) <laughs> Which I, I don't know um, if you need one in the UK. You don't need any kind of certificate or training to to no. be a groomer in the States. No, you, you don't hear either. I think it's a kind of general consensus with everything really in the pet industry, unfortunately, is that it's so unregulated that anyone could do it. Um, Absolutely. But obviously there's pros and cons to that as well, isn't there? I mean, if if, if it was different, I wouldn't be able to do my job, for example. So <laughs> right. I don't well, think... Well, and being um... un- uncertified <laughs> doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do or passionate about what you do. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of the Wild West out there for everything but veterinarians in the States, pretty much. Exactly. And it's the same here. And do you know something? Although I say I'm not credited as a groomer, um, certified canine behaviorist and fear fee certified low stress silver certified so I have done um, qualifications out there to make me competent mm-hmm. in my job but it's just knowing the difference between commercial commercial grooming and holistic grooming am I a commercial groomer no not not at all I can't I'm probably one of the worst stylists out there oh, no. <laughs> I saw but some of because... the pictures of some of the dogs you've done they're they look adorable <laughs> Yeah, well, do you know, I'm not bad, but I think um, I think from other people's perspective, I, I could be seen as probably one of the worst stylists ever. But my emphasis is on health preservation, um, yeah. handling dogs that have really bad, you know, behavioral issues that everyone else is told to turn away. I mean, what? Like that was one of the things we get taught in training. Like if there's a dog that's aggressive, you turn the dog away. So you know, yeah. who does that dog then? What happens to him? Um, so that's what holistic grooming is all about. It's the same with training, although there are some people now specializing in aggressive dogs because there's money in it. Um, uh, And certainly these owners need someone who's willing to help them. But it's, yeah, people are like, nope, don't get bit, send them to somebody else. Um, Which, Mm -hmm. in the case of training, I I agree, it's you have to keep safety first. If you really don't know how to be safe and help that dog, then you can make things worse. But um, what's great is that you're helping. That's what you're doing. You have educated yourself. You've made this your specialty um, and learned how to handle these dogs and make them more comfortable. And I'm so glad you said that you're certified fear-free because I wanted to impress on people how rare this approach is for grooming specifically. Um, So Fear-Free Pets is the organization 
it's it's a young organization. It was only founded in 2016, and they do offer a certification for fear-free pet professionals. And um, I, it makes total sense that you have it, but it's not it's not fully encompassing everything that you do in the holistic approach. But it is uh, a training that they offer and a certificate that they offer to try to get people to emphasize the pet's experience and um, avoid fear, causing fear in the pets. So they certify veterinarians and um, everybody that works in a vet office, pet sitters, trainers, and groomers. And I did a quick search in their directory uh, within a five mile radius of me, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in the heart of Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, there are 894 fear-free dog trainers. Okay. So that would be like if I got the fear-free certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't surprise me because training should not use fear tactics, right? I feel like that's really common. But yeah. when I changed it to groomer, would you would you like to know how many fear-free groomers are within five miles of me? Do you want to guess? Go go on. What? Zero. Within 10 miles of me? Zero. These are the increments you can do in your search. Within 25 miles of me in Los Angeles, a huge city, zero. I have to go to the 50 mile radius to find four groomers uh, that are fear free. And, you know, I put in London, I know you're not in London, um, but I wasn't sure if it was international. So I actually just did a test and there are only two fear-free groomers within a hundred miles of London. So uh, quite devastating really, isn't it? Yeah. So I just want to people to understand it's pretty rare for a groomer to, to take the steps and say, you know what, I'm going to step off the hamster wheel. And you're right. Groomers have been doing this forever. I'm not here to diss groomers in any way. And they're certainly not out to make dogs unhappy, but they're just trying to get their job done. They're like, Oh, I've got to do 10 dogs today. Get in here. Come on, Mm -hmm. hold still. I'm going to do this, get over there. And, uh, yeah. yeah, So to actually take it from a holistic approach or a fear-free approach, it's so rare. So, um, go ahead and tell us what the definition of holistic is, because you go beyond fear-free even uh, to holistic. What does yeah, holistic so in, mean? Well, in, in, in grooming context, we're taking things, well, if we take holistic as a word in itself, the definition means as a whole. So an instrument, rather than taking a part of an instrument, we're, we're looking at the entire instrument, what makes that instrument work as an instrument. Um, so in the holistic grooming environment, we're thinking of everything that may have an impact on the dog's behaviour that maybe is causing the dog some form of distress. Um, we're looking at um, background as well. So the genetics of the dog, the lifestyle of the dog. Um, we're looking at our own environment, our location. We're looking at the dog's body language and behaviour. We're looking at our own um, body language. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also looking at our own mental health as well, because we know now that the dogs are extremely sentient, so they can mirror our own emotions as well. So when we're not feeling too good, if we're feeling quite angry or distressed, then the dogs can pick up on that as well. And it's the same with most animals, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's taking everything into consideration. How is everything having an effect on the experience itself? Absolutely. Um, And this is something that is going to come up over and over again, because it's already come up in some other interviews I've done is the body language is, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's called somatic. uh, 
the somatic system or the somatic communication. Um, Sympathetic system. Yeah. So it's something that you're doing without being conscious of it. Um, and yep. the dogs are picking it up. And it, we, we have a saying in the training world that the emotions run both ways up and down the leash. But I mean, that's sort of to just mm-hmm. encompass that idea of like the dog knows how you're feeling. And a lot of times in the training world, uh, they're just picking up on your energy and sort of, like you said, mirroring it back. It, you're like, oh, my dog's so anxious. They won't calm down. And it's like, look at you. Your shoulders are up. You're tense. You're, <laughs> you know, they think something's yeah. wrong. Yeah. And I think the grooming environment is quite stressful, isn't it? So, I mean, absolutely, most groomers are very stressed um, and that that's a major issue. So it's, it's learning as, as well how to kind of tap into our own um, emotions and our own mental health and, and prepare ourselves for the day ahead as well. Um, so holistic is it's I mean it's a massive massive thing it's a massive commitment um, mm-hmm. and I think for a lot of groomers it is it's like you see it's the time aspect how long is this going to take me to implement mm-hmm. um, and how much is it going to cost me to learn as well. Could you walk me through a holistic grooming session um, how you said a little bit already about you're you're going to take their their behavior you're going to take their history um, what do you need to know when you first approach a dog uh, how do you, how are you judging their comfort level? Um, so every every new dog, um, where there should be a kind of general rule of thumb, regardless of whether you're holistic or commercial, but um, general rule of thumb is every new dog comes for a meet and treat or a meet and greet, as some people call it, mm-hmm. um, which is a kind of informal, kind of non-invasive tester really they come along to the salon and they get to see the environment and there's no expectation there whatsoever um in that in that appointment the the dog then has the the opportunity to to kind of display kind of natural behaviors in that environment so we can gauge whether or not that dog's confident whether the dog needs um additional appointments to kind of settle himself into the environment um, but at the same time, we're able to assess, obviously, the coat and skin requirements as well and get to know the, the dog guardian as well. Like, um, what, what are the, their ethics? Do they kind of, do they use force-free methods um, or are they quite um, dominant-based? Um, so we're ha- having to kind of decide whether or not, um, first of all, if the client's for you, mm-hmm. if they're going to use the time as well that it takes to kind of commit to to training the dog at home, but also... Um, we assess whether or not the dog requires additional desensitization sessions. So that's um, shorter appointments where we use operant conditioning and positive reinforcement to then mm-hmm. gradually introduce the procedure of grooming to them in a non-invasive way. Mm. That's so great. So that is probably where you would lose most groomers there is you're talking about a couple of appointments, at yeah. least one in the best case scenario um yeah where you're not even grooming yeah. though uh, in this like got to get it done yeah. the dog needs a bath get it you know I'm going to drop him off I'm going to pick him up in two hours uh you you've got to get an owner on board so I hope I can convince any pet guardian that's listening that if you find a groomer that's willing to work through this with you you do whatever they tell you to do and you will be so happy <laughs> with the result it says in your ebook the the goal of holistic grooming is to consider everything from the dog's perspective. So because of that, does your grooming station look different than a normal one? Yeah, and I think it, it also um, depends on how you're going to operate your business. So obviously there are multi-grooming establishments where there's more than one groomer, there's more than one dog um, 
and and the environment at any given time. Um, but for me, I work one to one, and I've got a, a strict one dog policy as well because I like to dedicate time solely to each individual dog. And we all know that dogs are individuals, so they require different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If you were to have a wee look in my spa, I think there's pictures online as well. You can see through my website, but um, it's a home away from home. Um, so everything is carefully kind of planned out to to, to instill calm. Um, so um, there's relaxation suites, I call them, rather than crates. Um, however, obviously, we know that some dogs do find crates are more of a safe space than you know others so I mean having the option there for crates is certainly worthwhile um I do have crates on site but again they're not mandatory Mm -hmm. um they are basically there as an open door policy whether the dog wants to win or not is up to them so it's allowing the dog to have choice within the environment um and I think a lot of times within your kind of busier salons the dogs aren't really getting much choice so they're coming in and they're getting put in a crate um obviously that they're stacked as well some of these um dogs are stacked on top of other dogs as well so you're having all these energies going on um creating a kind of stressful environment so in my environment it's one dog policy there's relaxation suites there with um you know vet bedding um there's doggy television on in the background it's a subscription by the way um (laughs) in case you're thinking what what is doggy television it's an actual um it's an actual subscription that you get via netflix which is really good so some dogs love it other dogs hate it so you just have to gauge that interesting I thought it was geared to the um I'm going to say it wrong but like the hertz level that's most supposed to be soothing for dogs ears but some dogs don't like it I haven't run into any that didn't like it um we'll see do you know something um it's well doggy television there's relax my dog which is more music so and it's i think it's four three two hertz or it's some sort of frequency anyway to kind of get the dogs calm Mm -hmm. um but doggy television has like videos on it so it's like dogs kind of doing doggy things which can sometimes you know make the dog kind of go oh wait there's another dog and then they'll bark so some dogs like to watch um whereas other dogs don't it just depends and if um dogs are kind of particularly anxious as well then certainly the 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 hertz frequencies of cam and music and things seem to work and i think um someone had said that reggae reggae works really well as well (laughs) but i love a bit of bob marley um Uh, but yeah um (laughs) well and i also think whatever calms Um, you down if you're talking about in your own home because again they're you're teaching them this relaxes you if it relaxes you and you start to unwind they're gonna pick up on that groove too Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, I sometimes have a wee sing song as well when I'm doing <laughs> if we allow it. Um, I love but, it. Yeah, so it's it's more to do, it's more to do with the flow in the environment that makes it more holistic. Um, but yeah, I got this really cool thing made by um, a joiner actually. It's called a self selection booth, um, and it's literally so it's it's kind of like um, a football holder. Um, but what I've not used it yet, I'm really excited to. Um, and what I want to tap into is self-selection as well. Um, because a lot of groomers, as you know, there's loads of fragrances going on. Um, and the, the dogs don't really get a choice in that either. So um the design for the self-selection booth is for um the use of kind of your your kind of what's it called? Your 
essence waters and whatnot. So that's giving the dog an element of choice to kind of self-medicate as well. Um, okay. What kind of um, fragrances that they, they take to and, um, you know, what they need as well. So that's Is it like cool. a button, so a board with, with buttons on it and they can push one of the buttons and something happens? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's kind no this is like a thing i've made myself so this is like um so like food bowls so like doggy doggy food bowls sure. but it's been made into like a little booth right so each bowl has like a, a certain es- like essence water in it oh okay um and it's it's so far so pharmacognosy i can never see it so i'm, I'm kind of researching <laughs> into so pharmacognosy at the moment and it's all to do with self-selection so obviously like as groomers we're using a lot of chemicals we're using a lot of fragrances and we're using a lot of different things to try and calm a dog down or try and make them you know smell good or whatever this is giving a dog an element of choice or what does he like i mean a lot of people laugh at it with consent-based grooming but it's not actually there's 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 real science behind that um, and I think it's Caroline Ingram. If you look up Caroline Ingram, she's I think the, the kind of leading expert in in all things self selection and self medication. So it's really interesting topic and something that all guardians can can tap into at home as well. Well, I think it's something we take for granted in our experience that we make these choices. You go get yeah. your haircut. They say, "What do you want to do with it? Where do you do you, can, you want me to put this product in it? Do you want me to blow dry it?" <laughs> We're not giving any of those choices to yeah. dogs. Yeah. And if we say no, they don't put a, a muzzle on us, do, do they? Or they, they don't elevate us up into the ear with a calming cradle, for example. So yeah. <laughs> could you imagine that happen? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You just need to compare it a little bit and see see it from the dog's perspective. How would you feel if you were him? Once you gauge whether or not a dog is confident or a little bit more nervous, then, then you kind of work at the next step going forward. So... Um, for the more anxious, um, you know, kind of anxious dogs, um, we're certainly looking at a kind of series of shorter sessions to to carefully introduce the process to them um, using operant conditioning and um, positive reinforcement. But we're also trying to think of the cause as well. So although, you know, we're, we're advocates for operant conditioning, um, we also want to to ask ourselves, why is a dog behaving that way? Why is the dog afraid? And and from there, we can try and get to resolving that cause. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break, but I want to make sure everybody can check out Stephanie's website. It's stephaniezickman.coach, and I put a link in the show notes. And she offers Holistic Grooming Academy, which is digital courses for groomers. If you're a groomer listening and this sounds like something you want to do, uh, Stephanie is an amazing resource because not only does she offer this Holistic Grooming Academy, but she has Facebook groups that are support groups for groomers. She offers a one-on-one mentoring program. She started the Canine Centered Grooming Alliance, which is a professional association for groomers. Um, and she also has a free ebook download, an introduction to holistic grooming. All of that's on her website. She also has a Facebook group for guardians. If you're not a groomer, but you want to do this approach with your own dog, uh, she's also a resource for you there. So check her out, stephaniezickman.coach. The link is in the show notes, and we will be right back. Okay, we're back with Stephanie Zickman. We're talking about holistic grooming approach, so your dog will love it. And uh, Stephanie, we were talking about when you're grooming them, you don't restrain them. Um, and can you tell me why? I think you touched on it a little bit, but specifically, 
when you groom a dog or take a dog to a, a I guess you call them commercial groomer, they're going to put them in this head um, restraint so that they can't get down from the, the table and you don't, or the bath, it's in the bath too. And I've seen dogs jump and almost kind of hang themselves on it. But um, tell me why you don't use that and how you, how you work with a dog so that they don't need that. All right. Um, well, first of all, the we, we need to we need to realize why a dog is behaving in a certain way. So, if we are putting on a handling aid or a restraining aid, um, we are disrupting the energy flow. So, rather than resolving the issue, we're actually suppressing the emotion, um, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. So, what happens then is there's an escalation of emotion, and that's where we find a dog then becomes aggressive. So. Um, using handling aids can be mm, unsafe mm-hmm. uh, rather than safe. It's it's basically it's control. It's not handling. Um, you are going to prevent a dog from biting you using one, and surely, obviously, that is you know you, a, an important thing. You, you don't want to get bitten in our you know in our industry. Sure, sure. Um, but it's it's coming to the point where you you start to think about why is a dog behaving that way. So um, introducing the the grooming experience um in a way that the dog enjoys rather than just you know shoving them in a bath and giving them zero option um you're gonna you know you're gonna put this neck noose on and he's gonna stand there because you know he's got no other option but to stand now mm-hmm. um it's just gonna escalate his behaviors and and reinforce that um and f- that fear um that there is something to be afraid of um, rather than you know introducing it through desensitization and positive reinforcement where you know eventually that dog's going to realize that there's nothing scary there um, I'm going to stand and get a treat because that's fun and that's tasty um, and there's nothing to be afraid of so there are times that I will use a belly strap for example um, so if there's dogs that have mobility issues that need that little bit of aid to stand Mm-hmm. Um, then that's fine but it's it's how we introduce the handling aids to them so um, so that they're not just getting them shoved on instantly and they don't even know what it is um, but like you see you know if you had a neck noose around your neck and you were already frightened is that going to make you more frightened or is it going to make you less frightened and that's when when it comes down to coming from the canine perspective how would that dog feel how would you feel if you were that dog yeah. um so yeah, so yeah, I, I'm an advocate for less restraint. Yeah, some groomers will put muzzles on a dog if they're worried that it will bite them. And I'm not um, actually an anti-muzzle, uh, especially I mm-hmm. think um, in certain situations. And if you've already trained the dog not to be f- afraid of the muzzle. Exactly. Which is a exactly. big step that maybe is not happening. If they're just like, oh, I'm worried the star's going to bite me. I'm going to throw a muzzle on it. And like you said, it's not going to calm yep. them down. It's going to freak them out because it's on their face. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's like a scene from Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. I mean, you don't, you, you know, dogs need to be able to express their emotions freely. They have to. And that's how they, they learn to trust the environment as well. So if you're constantly putting restrictions on, on them, expressing emotion then they're only going to suppress and that suppressed emotion is going to come out in an abrupt way yes 
So as soon as we put on um, a handling restraint or a, a physical restraint, um, when a dog is not ready for it, then you're kicking in the autonomic nervous system. And that's when we see the fight or flight response, which often groomers then label as aggressive. Um, what we need to remember is it is a reaction. It's a reflex and dogs just respond to how they feel. So um, the the idea behind holistic grooming is rather than opt for using the handling restraints in the first instance, seek to understand why the dog's behaving that way. Um, see if you can resolve it first and then, you know, proceed with a, a less stressful grooming experience for all. So, Absolutely. And this is when uh, groomers and anybody get bit as they're like, oh, I was so surprised it came out of nowhere. And it's like, no, what you were doing was Ugh. not paying attention or not letting the dog express <laughs> themselves. They are trying to yeah. communicate with you. Um, the, I see it all yeah. the time. People uh, yell at their dog if they're growling. And uh, I want people to know that's not what you should do. Of course, you you should be concerned the dog is growling, but you need to ask why they're growling. They're talking to you. They're telling you and whatever they're growling at that they don't like it. And so if you tell them they're not allowed to growl, then you skip that level of communication and the next level is usually bite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, we're handling every single part of that animal against as well, mm-hmm. really. I mean, they're they're getting harassed. <laughs> let's not be on it. Let's not be. Let's not sugarcoat it. They are. We're harassing them, but we have to do our jobs. But yep. that doesn't mean to say we can't do it in a way that's less stressful for them. And it's just taking a few moments to observe what's going on, um, and and read those subtle cues. Um, and you've probably heard um, of the book uh, on talking terms, calming signals. I mean, I recommend that to all of my guardians as well, all my clients, because. It's learning about the subtle signs and and what these things mean and doggy language that makes all the difference. I can put that in the show notes for everybody. Absolutely. That is really important for people to to learn what their dogs are saying. And what I think is great too, is when you say the the consent. So if you're trying to move forward with something and the dog's uncomfortable, you'll just stop. You'll try some operant conditioning, some, some luring with some treats but if the dog's really not into it in that session, you just stop. Yep. I mean, that's it. And I, they won't get a bath. They won't get a, a trim if they're not. Nope. And they may come away with three legs done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the important thing is you're building that trust with them. So you're showing them that they're not going to be forced into doing something they don't want to do. And more often than not, and I usually say this to clients as well that are coming in, like it may take a little bit longer initially, but see six months down the line you're going to have a dog that's comfortable getting groomed. I mean, that's so worth it. And oh, it's yes. also going to benefit other, you know, it, well, yeah, exactly. And, and think about it as well. How many times does a dog visit a groomer's in his lifetime? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're probably the most common, you know, pet professional to see their dog yep. is frequently throughout their lives. Yep. So you want that experience to be good. Because um, over time, obviously, as you say, there's so many health conditions linked to suppressed emotions. And every time that dog attends a grooming environment or the vet environment and is stressed, that stress is building up every single time that dog revisits if you aren't doing it with the canine perspective in mind. Absolutely. So it's going to save you time and it's going to save you money in the long term. And that's what I always say to clients, just persevere and believe me that I'm doing the right thing. Yes, everyone listen to her because she's totally right. Yeah. Uh, I wish I wish more <laughs> groomers 
would. And I think probably they're afraid of the pushback from, from the owners being like, ah, oh, they just need a bath. Just do it. Um, but this is something when you talked about, we're harassing them that I always address with people who uh, get puppies with my puppy clients is you need to sort of, I call it mild harassment. Um, so it's funny. We <laughs> use the same term, <laughs> but it's, oh my gosh. it's handling. <laughs> so when they're a puppy, if you get them young enough, um, they shouldn't have any problems with you handling them and you need to mm-hmm. purposefully handle and mildly harass, as I say them, yes. um, so that in, in a loving way, you need to handle their paws. <laughs> you need to touch their paws a lot, you, especially the paws are important because they can get really protective of them mm-hmm. and they need to be trimmed. Their claws need to be trimmed, their nails. Um, and you need to handle their ears. You need to open their little mouths and let them let look at their teeth. And you know, you're not looking at anything right right now. You're just getting the dog used to, um, being touched. Their stomach, you know, is a big one, touch their stomach. And so, um, if you build that into their lives in this comfortable way, you are their, you know, the person, their person, they're human, they love you and they're touching your paws and nothing bad happened. That's teaching them Mm -hmm. from a very young age. Um, and then hopefully, you know, all the grooming is approached from that perspective as well. Okay. We're going to bring out the clippers now. Let me clip your toe. Um, (laughs) Here's a treat. Wasn't that fun? And you'll get a dog that just hands you their paw to get trimmed. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would say, honestly, like tapping into puppies, puppies is massive, massive, massive um, thing to think about because I mean, I, I microchip as well. Um, and I talk to a lot of breeders who don't know the importance of socialization at the early puppy development Mm. phase. Um, but actually, you know, when we actually look at it, grooming starts from birth. Um, so the mother will groom her puppies pretty much straight away. Um, and so actually handling should be started by the breeders and then continued on throughout, you know, the kind of early stages with the the new kind of pet parents or whatever Mm -hmm. and then onto the grooming environment so yeah I mean there's a load of responsibility in the earlier stages but also before that like with the breeder themselves as well they should be starting the handling that early yeah absolutely and so if you unfortunately don't live near a a fear-free groomer like someone like me who doesn't um, and I'm, yep. I'm constantly being asked by my training clients to refer to a good groomer who's not going to terrify their dog. Mm. And so I, what are, what are your recommendations to someone who, I mean, we're going to talk, next thing we're going to talk about is for grooming them themselves, if you're just going to take that step. But what's, yep. what's their option? Uh, maybe they have a dog that needs a cut and they don't feel comfortable and they just, they're going to, they're going to hire a groomer. Do you have any recommendations, things they can ask, ways that they can try to find someone that would have more of a holistic um, approach? It's it's really difficult because I think I think really deep down every groomer wants to do the very best for their dog. Absolutely. Um however, I mean, there's there's loads of resources. Like you say, there's the fear free directory, but also if I'm doing my job right, it's gonna be a lot more common practice going forward so obviously you tapped into the the canine center grooming alliance um that's um, in place to try and raise awareness of this approach to groomers worldwide so we're wanting to try and start to kind of 
plant the seed, so to speak, amongst other groomers as well. So that is more mainstream. Um, but certainly when you go to a, a groomers, you have to consider, obviously, you know your dog better than anyone else. So what, first of all, is the right kind of setup for your dog? Um, is your dog quite anxious or reactive to other dogs, for example? Then you're going to have to look for a one-to-one -one groomer, first of all. That's the first step. Um, and then from there, you can ask questions like, you know, um, what kind of um, what kind of training techniques do you use during the groom? Do you use handling restraints? And like, when would you use handling restraints? Um, get a wee feel for it yourself. Um, I mean, it's really difficult because there's some incredible stylists out there who are, are merely just doing the job as it's expected of them. Mm -hmm. um, so most most of the time, groomers are quite willing to kind of listen as well. So um, ask, just ask a question. Yeah, And I think also <laughs> communicating hard. that that's what you want, because I think most groomers would assume yep. that what you want when you drop their your dog off is to pick up a fully groomed dog at the end if you want to yeah. say to them listen uh my number one goal is that he like grooming and I'm working with him at home so hopefully he's going to be really you know compliant to you but can you exactly. please stop at any point if he feels uncomfortable or whatever exactly. I don't care if I pick him up and and he you know you haven't gone through everything that that I've paid you to do I want him to have that, you know, and to love it and to get used to you. So I think that's important from an owner's perspective to let the groomers know that they have that freedom because the groomers like you've paid me and it's not cheap. Uh, you know, you've paid me a lot of no. money and I, I need to give you what you expect. That's why they're trying to push through and finish that service. Not because they, they want the dog to have a bad experience. Exactly. I think that, I mean, gosh, that sounds heavenly. I think if more pet parents, I think if more pet parents were of that, you know, kind of mentality that I think it's, it's, I don't want to say the word ignorance because it sounds quite rude, but they don't know any better. They don't realize the psychological or emotional trauma these dogs are going through. Absolutely. Parents, I mean, um, if they did, then they would realize that actually, wait a minute, that there's something something does need to change here and I'm quite happy to allow that time to let that kind of be more holistically approached because I know it's best for my dog kind of long term um, but certainly I think if, if more pet parents were to come into a salon and say like listen you know he, he, he is quite a nervous wee thing I don't mind you taking the time and if it means coming back two or three times and I'm more than happy to do so that yeah. would put so much um, it, uh, it would really ease in the burden um, for a lot of groomers out there who are worried that they're going to get a bad review for not having perfect symmetry or angulation. Absolutely. Um, that's what it comes down to. So it is, it takes two hands to clap. Um, and it is, it's, it's all to do with us all working together yeah. um, ultimately. So. And I do think that no owner wants their dog to have that experience either. So I do think the thing is with most grooming appointments, you're not usually there. You drop the dog off. This is even before COVID. Now, yeah. I'm sure you have to drop the dog off if the groomer's open. Um, but you drop the dog off. You pick them up in two hours. It looks beautiful. And you don't think anything of it. So it, I think ignorance, mm -hmm. you're right, it sounds really harsh. But I just think it's something people don't think about. People seem to realize that the vet is stressful. And even then, yep. they, because the vet doesn't happen that often, a lot of pet parents, guardians, owners, would, you know, I'm not really sure where we should, what we should call them, but um, they don't, they don't put a lot of effort into making the vet less stressful because they're like, ah, they only go 
once a year, twice a year, we just get through it, grit our teeth, uh, get mm-hmm. it over with. And so, and they just don't probably even realize that the groomer is stressful as well. Maybe more stressful. It's a longer appointment. Like you said, you're, you're harassing every part of them and they're going to do it yeah. every other month, every month for the rest of their life. Yeah. Exactly. And the difference is as well, we're using a lot of sharp tools on moving objects. We can't sedate. So so true. (laughs) So we really, yeah, we really need to have them feeling relaxed and comfortable. We don't want to fight against them. And even with handling restraints, you cannot physically stop a dog from moving even then. So what's the better alternative then to, to, you know, you, you don't want the dog to crocodile roll all the time. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned the sharp instruments. Because the next thing I wanted to talk about was if, if a pet parent owner guardian wants to just say, you know what, I'm going to groom the dog myself. I think what yeah. makes them the most nervous are those sharp objects. So I know plenty who feel very uncomfortable trying to trim the nails. They're worried they're going to cut them too short yeah. and hurt them. So there's <laughs> can we talk about that? Can we give them some tips? Oh, no. No? Um, you don't want them right, trimming okay, their dog's I'm, I'm nails? <laughs> I'm going to say something that you're probably going to be really disappointed in, but it's just as hard for a pet professional to cut a dog's nails as it is for a guardian to cut a dog's nails. Oh, sure. Um, especially, see, when you're you're dealing with dark nails, particularly the black nails, right? It's yes. really hard to see where that quick is. Mm-hmm. All right, so every groomer hates it, and any groomer that says that they don't hate it is lying. <laughs> Um, we all dread <laughs> we all dread to cut the quick yeah. yeah oh my gosh it's awful um yeah. the best thing to do is little and often all right so um dr sophia yin actually shows how to desensitize a nail clip with an aggressive dog um and we don't like to use the word aggressive because right. we know now obviously that aggression isn't aggression it's just emotion it's uh-huh. just a behavior um, but she shows it really well. So um, first of all, we can work at desensitizing the dog to getting his feet handled, like you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then less is more. So always taking just a little bit off and just every so often rather than, you know, wait until they get extremely long and then taking a massive chunk, which is what happens is as well when you're leaving the, the nails to go, the nail quick grows with the nail so the longer the nail quick will be so you're not wanting to leave it too long to cut the nails just little and often um is the best way forward really so the quick i didn't know that so the quick will grow beyond a certain point oh yeah yeah, because i've always i've always said if you cut within line of the paw right just so it's not touching the ground you shouldn't catch the quick but you're saying if you let the nail grow too long you could still be catching the quick because yeah. the quick grows out. Yeah, I didn't yep. know that. Yep, yep. So the quick can grow longer, yep. Um, so you just have to be very conscious of that. I mean, other people, I think it's all to do with handling as well, how you handle the paw when you're nail trimming mm-hmm. um, and what's most comfortable. Little and often, um, yeah, the, the quick can grow with the nail. So it's it's better to keep on top of it. Um, other how ways often you do when you say you often? It. I always check in my, my dog's nails every, you know, at the end of every week. So weekly I'll look at them. And if I think that they're, you know, needing a wee clip, then I will. So just gauge it yourself. You kind of know, like you say, once the nails come past the pads and you can hear them click, click, clicking, they kind mm-hmm. of need a wee bit off. All right. Definitely. So you're preventing it from getting to that length. Um, but I mean, I, I know a lot of uh, dog parents have 
been quite successful using scratch boards. I don't know if you've ever heard of scratch boards. Yes, I, I, um, several of them here use, it's like an electric one. Yeah, no, that's a Dremel. Dremel, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is not, this is different. So this is kind of similar to the way cats would do their nails. Um, mm. So you've got like a board, like an emery type board. It's it's man-made. Um, and the dogs, you train the dog to scratch on this board and he, they, they basically do it themselves. I haven't um, heard of that. Link to it. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I'll send you a link to that as well. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it's good fun. Uh, I've, I've never it. used them, but yeah, yeah. I mean, some dogs love doing it. I mean, other dogs, I think, probably are too lazy or <laughs> just like, no, no, not for me. Right, like my Tibetan mastiffs, you could not train them to do it. They're far too lazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, certainly. I mean, there are Dremels as well, as you see. I mean, you can get really silent ones, which are good. Um, just yeah. making sure, obviously, that you're holding the nail in place so that it's not going everywhere as well, because it can be quite painful. Um, and what I also say to people is soften the nails before you clip. So you can do that by soaking the pads in some, you know, really, really lukewarm water. Um, so you're not burning the pads, obviously. Um, but soaking the nails in water for a few minutes prior to nail clipping will soften the nails slightly and make it easier to, to cut through. So it's not as intense a feeling for the dog. I think a lot of groomers take in like walk-ins for, for nail clips. Yep. And I never, ever ever do that i always bath the dog before i clip um their nails because it's, it tends to soften the nails better so yeah interesting and because i had always heard you should clip the nails first because the stress of the bath causes their blood pressure to rise which can make it more painful to clip their nails if you hit the quick or something like that but I guess the beauty yeah, is that then, your bath's not stressing them out. <laughs> and it works both ways as well. So, I mean, this is another thing with groomers, right? So there's a system in place where, you know, you blow dry from the the, you can, the feet up the legs and over the body. There is a system there. But we all know that that doesn't necessarily work based on what the dog's sensitivities are. So you're saying about obviously bathing um, or sorry, clipping first and then bathing second. But what if the dog is extremely nervous of getting his nails clipped? So mm. the, the heart rate is increasing anyway. So you've already, you've pushed that dog over his threshold. So you're not going to proceed with a bath now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's doing the least stressful things first and then finishing with the most stressful things so that you're not obviously pushing that dog too over threshold too early on as well. So, I mean, there's always going to be a level of stress. And then if you have to stop, you've gotten some exactly, of it done. Exactly. Yeah. You've got the best parts of it done. Um, yeah, you're better starting with the least stressful and working your way up um, to kind of more stressful things. But obviously, the, the ultimate goal is to have it a stress-free experience from beginning to end. And there are a few who, who do genuinely love being groomed as well. So it is possible. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, I think that they like the feeling like everybody of being, although I don't know, some dogs love rolling in the mud as soon as you give them a bath. So maybe they don't care about feeling clean. I think it's more to do with fragrances, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I stay away from fragrances because it's so overwhelming for the dog's senses half the time that that's, that's what they're doing. They're rubbing that fragrance off. Um, it's not natural for them. So yeah, I would always say, what are your favorite products to use? This is a, yeah. What are your favorite products? Vita Canis is a very good brand. Um, all organic. I think it's 95% of its products are organic and the the remaining five are trying to work at getting organic. 
um, natural and just amazing for all types of products so I think they do calming sprays they do um, you know I think it's utterly butterly for their pads and a really really good quality product so Vita Canis um, the dog and I which is um, I think based in England they do lovely organic soaps for dogs which lather extremely well and give you that squeaky clean finish they're perfect I use them in the spa all the time um, and I think they, they ship worldwide as well. Um, what else kind of products? I try and stay away from kind of overly fragranced products just because we know that dog senses are so much more than ours. So it's a good point. Less is definitely more there. Yeah, less is definitely. Honestly, I don't I, I don't think that they would roll in mud as much if we didn't, you know, bombard them with different fragrances and it's the designer ones I don't like they're my pet hate no pun intended but <laughs> so when you get the when, when you get the designer brands that smell like humans and you're like oh no it's just far too strong um so go for a really subtle sense that makes so much sense the logic it, it's like smacking me on the head like of course that makes perfect sense yeah and dogs get headaches as well don't they so they probably get headaches yeah well if you can smell it <laughs> then you your point is that their nose is so much stronger they think of all the things they can smell that you can't smell at all so if it's a perfume and you can smell it then it must be overwhelming to them yeah that's crazy well that's my theory i'm sticking to it (laughs) thank you so so much this has been so informative and what i love about you stephanie is not only have you decided to sort of approach grooming a different way, but you've made it your mission to really spread that out because you as one person can only take care of so many dogs, but you've put out resources, you've put out a a community of people to try to really get people on board with this way of thinking. And I hope I've helped in some small way with that. I hope we've convinced some, some pet parents and some groomers that it's might be a little investment of time and energy but the payoff is so huge for the dogs for the owners for the groomers it's such a win-win-win for everybody and I wish you just the best of luck and you have a book coming out right next year maybe oh my gosh yes next year so oh my goodness I'm so so nervous about it um but so excited so excited because um it's going to be for both guardian and um a groomer um and it's delving really into the kind of magic of holistic grooming so it's dead it's dead um oh it's exciting yes <laughs> yeah I think I think it's awesome I let's let's spread the word as much as we can share this with anybody that has a dog yeah definitely yeah let's raise awareness <laughs> thank you so so much for joining me thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This is your aspiring sensei, Susan Light, signing off. You can find me at doggydojopodcast.com. The music was written by Mac Light. You can find him at maclightsongwriter.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review to help others find the show. And I'll see you next Tuesday with a brand new episode of the Doggy Dojo. Doggy Dojo.